Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Greetings, everybody. Uh, it's a privilege and an honor to come before you this uh, morning, evening, afternoon, whatever time it is, wherever you are. Uh, it's a privilege for me just to come before you and just share a couple of thoughts. Uh, this month, we've been going through a series on money and we've looked at various aspects of it from the first week of this month and now we come to a conclusion the first week uh, we were looking at debt and uh, I think the things that we learned from that is that uh, God really requires us to repay back any debt that we have and he requires us to move from being uh, a borrower to become a lender and even to become a giver and that moved into the second week whereby we learned that everyone is required to give you know and there's something that giving does to the person giving not the person receiving but the person giving and we learned that god uh, requires us to give to those in need requires us to give to family and to the church then la the last week we looked at saving and i think the key thing that came out is we are to save for retirement we have to save for future generations and more so we have to save for for uncertain times just a week ago we were having this someone face to face one week later we are not able to have this face to face because of the reality of the world right now and the lockdown that was put in place so this is what we mean by uncertain times we don't know about tomorrow but we can draw lessons from joseph and egypt that were able to save when they had years of plenty and it carried them through the years of famine. So today we want to look at uh, the topic money, friend or foe. You know, we've talked about money this whole month and one of the things that uh, we learned was that it's the topic that Jesus taught on the most. There are more verses dedicated to money than any other topic. The second highest uh, topic is love but money in itself is talked about more than seven times love so it means that there's something God wants us to learn about money but at times we get so fixated on money it's easy to get so fixated on money that we lose our focus on God and we lose our focus on what God wants us to learn regarding uh, money at times, we shift our focus to depending on God, relying on God. And we have so many needs around us at a time like this, where, whereby the world is going through a global pandemic. We are wondering whether we'll be able to make end, ends meet, where we'll get the next shilling, how we'll be able to put food on the table for our families. And it goes back to, do I have money or not? So at times... We put so much emphasis on money. But if you read through the Bible and look at the lessons that God has put there regarding money, we'll discover something about it. That this is just a tool that God has given us to be able to use it for his glory. Money will not answer all our needs and meet all our needs. It is God who will do that. Money is but a tool. But for many of us, we put it out, it's like a destination. That I want money, I have to get money. 
but once you do that then what but you see god has given us money as a tool it's not the destination and today we'll look at uh, lessons from three three characters actually two two characters and a nation and just uh, draw a few lessons about this topic of money is it good is it a friend or is it a foe and the first one is uh found in the book of Joshua chapter 7 the story of someone known as Achan or Achan depending on where you went to school now we are introduced to uh this character in in, in chapter 7 but the story begins in chapter 6 where we know the israelites uh went around jericho seven times and the walls uh came tumbling down and one of the key messages uh that was given to the israelites was in verse 19 of chapter 6 which says that all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the lord and must not and must go into his treasury so basically he was he told uh he told the israelites that once they go and and defeat the nation they are not to take anything from the treasury the articles of bronze and iron for themselves but they must go into the treasury of the lord then this individual named known as Achan decided to take some of that plunder for himself and at this point no one know, no one knew about it apart apart from him and you know uh, god had just given them victory in, in jericho then uh, in this chapter they were to go to battle with the nation of ai or the people of ai and the israelites were very confident i mean god had done it for them uh, in the previous chapter but however when they went to action they were routed by ai and the israelites wondered joshua wondered why is this so verse 11 of chapter 7 says israel has sinned they have violated my covenant which i commanded them to keep they have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen they have lied they have put them with their own possessions and this was achan who did this he took some of these possessions some of these uh, precious things for himself yet god was very clear on the instructions and you know what we need to learn is that god wants to develop our character so the the lessons we learn when it comes to money we might put a lot of emphasis on the money but god is doing that to develop our character let's not miss the point after ekan uh, acknowledged his sin uh, unfortunately uh he had to pay for his consequences then when you go to the next chapter in chapter 8 god sent his people out to battle against ai again and verse 2 of chapter 8 says god says you shall do to ai and its king as you did to jericho and its king except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves set an ambush behind the city so the difference now is that god had told them like right now you can carry the plunder and livestock for yourselves so it's not it's not like god was desperate to have these possessions god did not need these possessions god was developing their character god was teaching them a lesson with these possessions with these precious things that they had the first time they went to battle they were told not to take anything god now has given them victory and told them actually now you can take whatever it is 
So let's not lose focus like Achan on the things, on money. Let's remember that it's God who gives us everything that we have in terms of possessions. The second character I want us to learn from is a guy by the name of Gideon and we find his story in uh, Judges chapter 6. Uh, Judges uh, chapter 6 verse 11 we are told that the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Josh the Abiezrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So it's very interesting that Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press that doesn't make sense and the reason he was doing this is that he was hiding from the Midianites at this point these were their enemies and Gideon was afraid so what God did in the verses that follow after that is very interesting because God called Gideon to save Israel for these very same Midianites that he was afraid of and because I guess because of the experience uh, Gideon had and the fear that he had he took time to warm up to the idea that God was putting in his heart and he even put some tests uh, asked God to perform some things so that he could believe that indeed God was with him and you know what God actually honored that and he was able to perform uh, those um, miracles so to say so by doing that God strengthened Gideon God gave him so much strength. In verse 34 and 35 of chapter 6 of Judges, we were told, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also to into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. So Gideon was alone when this story began, but now he has so many people that are rallying around him from the household of Israel when the spirit of the Lord came upon him. So God armed Gideon with numbers and this this security in numbers. Many a times when you look at your bank account and it's fatter than usual, there's some confidence that you derive from that. I mean, uh, for those that are, are employed, when it's payday, guys have a spring in their step some confidence just checks in and I can imagine for Gideon from being alone hiding in a wine press to having all these followers so many people it gave him a lot of confidence so he was to go and uh, and, 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 and fight against the Midian, Midianites and he had assembled all this army of people and had given him so much confidence but here is what God said in chapter 7 of verse 2 the Lord said to Gideon you have too many men I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me my own strength has saved me imagine that God had blessed him blessed him with all these people around him but God told him no 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 these people are too many I'll not deliver the enemy into their hands they are too many and the reason I will not deliver the enemy into their hands is because they will boast that my own strength has saved me and many a times even us when we have money at times even we stop praying to God because we feel like all our needs have been met or all our needs can be met with these resources that we have 
But remember, as we said earlier, God is really interested in our character development. And money is just a tool. It can easily come, it can easily go away. So there's a lesson God wanted to teach Gideon. So imagine the army of Gideon was reduced from 32,000 people. It went down to 10,000 people. God said, no, there are still too many people. And it went all the way down to 300, from 32,000 to 300. And we are told that these 300 defeated 120,000 swordsmen. That doesn't make sense at all. That does not make sense at all. But the difference is these 300 had God on their side. The 120,000 did not have God on their side. So the differentiating factor here was not the numbers or the resources. It was having God on their side. The third group of people that I want us to learn from is the Israelites. We still, we, I mean, it, we, we have been talking about the Israelites focusing on individuals. Now we look at the Israelites as a whole. And in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4, here we are told of a battle uh, between the Israelites and the Philistines. The Israelites had already settled into, into Canaan. And at this point, their biggest enemy was the Philistines. Israelites went to fight the Philistines in the book of First Samuel chapter 4. And we are told that the Philistines defeated the Israelites. So verse 3 of chapter 4 of 1 Samuel says that when the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. See, they had what we call the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. And to them, this was the reason why they lost the battle, is because they did not go with the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. See, the Ark of the Lord's Covenant was symbolic of God's presence, but it was not a substitute for God. Instead of the Israelites going before God, before battle, before they went for battle, they did not. They just went for battle, and after losing, even with, they never thought of going to God in prayer. They decided for themselves it must be because we don't have this Ark of the Lord's Covenant, and for them, they were actually substituting God for this Ark of the Covenant. So let's see. They they return to battle again, but this time, remember, they have this ark of the Lord's covenant. Verse 10 says, So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. So as we can see, they relied on something symbolic, something God had given them as a reminder of his presence. But they had become so accustomed to it that they had substituted it for God. And many a times we do that with the resources that we have, with the money that we have. We put so much faith, so much trust in the money to save us out of difficult situations. But the difference really is not this symbol that God has given us as stewards, but really it is God himself. We are actually present day Achan, we are present day Gideon, we are the present day Israelites. What these guys have gone through is what we go through every day. Many a times we lose focus of God and we, f we put so much emphasis on the resources 
which either we have or we are striving to have. God has given us money as a tool, but we have made it a destination. We have idolized it and we have placed all our hope on it. May God help us learn from the mistakes of Achan, Gideon and the Israelites. Because if we don't learn from them, we learn from our own difficult lesson, the hard way, the difficult way. So may we learn from them. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 tells us, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so it confirm and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today it is god who gives us the ability to produce wealth may we never forget that because many a times god gives us the ability to produce wealth and when we get this wealth we forget who gave us the ability to produce it ecclesiastes Chapter 5 verse 19 says, If God gives us wealth and property and lets us enjoy them, we should be grateful and enjoy what we have worked for. It is a gift from God. Basically, this scripture is telling us that God gives us wealth and the ability to enjoy wealth. And it's very hard to wrap our minds around this because from what society has taught us is when we have money, enjoyment comes naturally our life becomes soft as people would like to call it nowadays enjoying the soft life but this verse actually points us to a different direction and tells us that we might have wealth and not enjoy it and it reminds us it is God who not only gives us the ability to produce wealth but he also gives us the ability to enjoy this wealth so this actually means that you can actually have wealth and not enjoy it. Let's look at a story. I'm sure it's not some of you have read it before. But I, I, I always find it very captivating. It's about uh, a number of individuals uh, who met at a hotel in Chicago in 1922. These were serious heavy hitters. You know, their combined wealth was greater than the US government's wealth. We're talking of the US government, yeah? And these individuals, their combined wealth was greater than the US government's wealth. So let's who are these individuals? You know, this looks like a group of individuals I would love to be in their midst or to be counted amongst them. So the first one was a president of the world's largest steel company. The second one was the president of the world's largest utility company. The third one was the president of the world's largest gas company. The fourth one was the world's leading wheat supplier. The fifth one was the president of the New York Stock Exchange. The sixth one was a land baron and a member of the cabinet. The seventh one was president of the International Bank. The eighth one was the leading investor in the stock market. And the ninth one was head of the world's largest securities trading organization. So just look at all those individuals. In our eyes, this is just the SI unit of success all in one room. You know, but when you go to 
learn more about their lives. It's very interesting that this verse we've read makes so much sense because each of them, if you look at how their lives ended, oh, such tragedy for such a promising uh, group of individuals. The first one, Charles Schwab, who was the president of the world's largest steel company, died bankrupt, living on handouts for his last five years. Samuel Insel, the present president of the world's largest utility company, died bankrupt, a fugitive from justice for fraud violations. Howard Hobson, president of the world's largest gas company, died insane in a mental asylum. Arthur Curtin, the world's largest wheat supplier, died bankrupt, having been indicted for tax evasion. Richard Whitney, president of the New York Stock Exchange, was convicted of fraud and imprisoned. Albert Fall, land baron and a member of the president's cabinet, was jailed for embezzlement but released so he could die at home. Leon Fraser, president of the International Bank, committed suicide. Jesse Livermore, the leading investor in the stock market, committed suicide. And Ivan Kruger, head of the world's largest securities trading organization, also committed suicide. So let's not forget that these resources that God gives us and he'll continue giving us they are just but a tool God is more interested in developing our character using this tool we are just but stewards Matthew 6.24 reminds us no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both God and money you cannot serve both God and money. May we not forget who gives us life, who gives us this money, who gives us these resources, who gives us this ability to produce wealth, and who will give us the ability to enjoy it. It is God. It is God. We are just stewards of this money that He's given us. As we learned throughout this month, that as we clear our debts, as we grow into becoming givers and savers and investors, may we not lose our focus of God. May we not be, become so engrossed in this thing called money and chase it rather than chase after God's own heart, rather than chase after God himself. Let's not focus on the gift, but the giver. God has given us money and God has given us the ability to enjoy this money and has given us the resources to be good stewards of this money. God bless you.